One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for f***ing years. Welcome along to the GER on a Monday. Myself and Conan um, are here with you. Conan, there's only one place to start and this is club football controversy. So last week we had Derry club football and causing all sorts of shock <laughs> for different reasons. And now we have Tyrone. First we had videos surfacing on, was it Friday night they surfaced or Saturday? I think it was Friday yeah, night. Friday. And um, horrific scenes from an intermediate match anyway. So where people came in out of the stand and it was just dangerous. And all those horrible scenes that you just... Unfortunately, I'm slightly normalised to these now. I was more yeah. shocked. Evan Fanning was saying in the office, "Were you more sh- were you more horrified by the Derry Club football <laughs> footage or Tyrone?" And I actually genuinely was more hor- horrified yeah. by the Derry stuff. But this is just completely wrong, and it's the fellas running in off the stand, and that like, really escalates it. Like, yeah, it really does. And like, listen, it's not obviously you can't really condone a brawl anyway. But, but these things happen. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I don't condone a brawl, but I've seen enough to know that a lot of it just starts off a few bits of fisticuffs, and it's separated off. Yeah, they have a bit of control when it's all control. Yeah. yeah, when the subs don't get involved, when the yeah. bloody supporters don't get involved, that a, then it gets into a criminal matter for my liking. If if yeah. you're looking at fellas coming in off a stand, that that. That's when the police need to get involved because I don't care. That's not in a sporting context. That's not. And I can like, should you excuse slightly a fella giving a box on the field if it's two men facing each other and if it's a fight? I'm not as. It's probably not the right thing to say, but I'm not as hard on that. Yeah. These things happen. But a fight where people come in off the stands and are hitting fellas and from behind and thirty yards and jumping the back sort of thing. So all this, all this happened on on maybe Thursday or Friday, anyways. And then we see pictures of Sean Kavanagh surfacing on Twitter, and he's got an awful doing. Um, His face is all bust up. His nose looks like it's in an awful way worse than mine at this stage, Sean. (laughs) And his eyes all 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 black and blue. And you know this is surface. This is coming from a club game, which um, saw twenty-seven yellow card or twenty yellow cards, six red cards, and one black card issued. So a lot of people are putting two and two together, and they are saying we saw the incidents on Thursday night. Then look at Sean Kavanagh's face. Look at all the red cards. This obviously was the same free for all. Yeah. But it wasn't a game with a free for all. There was no kind of boxing like that. In the six red cards were all two yellows. So you put that into context, it looks like it was a niggly game and we wait to hear from Sean Kavanagh to see what he thinks of what happened. I wouldn't say his memory is too great, but at the same time, the, a my representative said what happened was open to interpretation. I got some word from Eden Dork 
that this was a complete accident and nothing was really made of it at the time and the game turned ver- a little bit niggly and messy yeah. after that the referee got very card happy when he saw the damage to Sean Kavanagh and then you can hear from another side and which I have heard and it's like geez, that was an awful <laughs> challenge do you yeah. know what I mean went down on with his knee so do you know like I mean without ha- without seeing it without having a neutral which probably not too many neutrals at that game yeah. you know what I mean Moy versus Eden Dark I wouldn't say it's one that's captured imagination Eden Dark won 10-9 in the end yeah. so we probably won't know unless a video surfaces about this no and like you're right about the yellow cards and there are no red cards so obviously there was nobody caught say boxing in the face and getting straight red for it but well there wasn't the scenes we saw in the other one because yeah. that's immediate, immediately when I saw Sean's face I thought here we go again and I saw the six reds I thought this is an absolute free for all and this is wrong and this is disgusting and look because we all like Sean Cavan and he's yeah. a legend of the game and you get you would get furious when you'd see his face like that and the fact that it's Sean Cavan I assumed that geez they're obviously targeting Sean Cavan they won by a point it was worthwhile from their point of view to do almost well that's exactly what I jumped to as well but like it is still if you even take in the two double yellows it's still 14 men who got yellow cards <laughs> which is a lot like you know it's, it's half of your outfield players at start so like that's a very 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 niggly game and unfortunately it's happening a lot I mean there was another brawl in a Derry Hurling match between Owen Rua and Ball on the Screen and you know like we're getting these sent all these videos a lot like and like we're sticking up on the Facebook page and then there's a lot of people coming out saying there's a sort of six county bias here and you're like well like stop beating the head off each other like you know <laughs> and people are recording it and send this on to it and I'm yeah. sure that there's like violence happening all over of course I'll defend the, the six and the nine counties but I mean, it doesn't look good. Like, you know, no. when you said you were talking about club football, I thought you were going to go into Rahini and kill McCud 7 4 and end it. But, I mean, this is much worse than a defensive slugfest. It's boys beating the head off each other every yeah. week. And the thing about a lot of people were talking to me about this Rahini kill McCud game and say, oh, why aren't you highlighting this? And I said, that's just a scoreline. <laughs> yeah. If we have any video evidence to go on, you don't think I'm just going to ignore that and show. Like, if I see a video of. Rahini just throwing the ball or Kilmacud throwing yeah. the ball around outside of a Rahini screen you honestly think I wouldn't highlight that of <laughs> yeah. course you would like I mean and then Dublin fans would say you're anti-Dublin sure, it's all a load of nonsense <laughs> like I mean there's no video evidence of that I know for a fact Kilmacud Crokes are not a defensive team I don't know much about Rahini if I'm being honest but Rahini were missing Howard and a few lads so maybe they did go defensive and that's why that game was 7-4 I don't see when, when there's, there was just nothing really to go on there so I suppose that wasn't highlighted but like I mean there's loads of stuff and maybe if people keep sending in these videos like me being normalised to these rows it's not a good thing like this is yeah. too much violence in the GA and too, too, too often these things are spilling over into like very dangerous situations for players yeah. and that's the reality of it and someone could get seriously hurt and where are you going to be then if you can at least start with one thing which is just stop the crowd and the subs getting involved I mean like that that would get some sort of control these things have a natural ending I think when it's just the players on the pitch oh, of course they do and when they see the ref is there and the ref sort of keeping an eye then boys quickly sort of calm down yeah. they don't want you've to got cut. your peacemakers that don't want yeah. to get into the row and they don't a lot of them don't want it and they'll break it up they'll, they have a they, they, they might have 30 seconds at the very most of two fellas face on face yeah. and that's that's maybe just do it like ice hockey if two lads are fighting let the <laughs> let two of them at it and have it a fair fight and then no one's coming in from behind breaking a fella's jaw when he's not looking mm-hmm. and all that kind of cowardly stuff that's the stuff that let's go ice hockey let's, <laughs> let's just isolate these two lads get your, your, your best man versus our best yeah. man but what would happen is a lot I'm of joking. boys I'm not condoning this a lot of boys would quickly sober up then they wouldn't want to do it like if yeah. I had to go one on one with somebody with everyone watching I'd be like oh hang on a second <laughs> I was only acting a big man I thought these boys were going to come in and defend me yeah you see we want the tradition we want to keep some traditions in the game so maybe the fight we don't want to lose that fight either yeah. I like a mass defence around me <laughs> right Conan you were in the cheap seats the real cheap seats at the women's all Ireland final like I mean how did you get that I was literally in row Z and I was in the very, almost in the very corner just beside Hill 16 um, I, I bought it on the morning and just like that was it but then I got in there and it's funny obviously we'll probably get into the attendances in a bit but no we're going to get into the attendances first because yeah. we'll, ch- we'll chat about the game as well but we'll, we want to go on continue
and you well, want so to like this is the point so I obviously went right up to Rose Head into the corner of the stadium and you're like hang on there's loads of seats here to go take but obviously they were filled at some stage during the day the first game was 11.45 so a lot of those seats had tickets bought for them but they were no longer occupied but I'm still sitting like a mug up in the corner yeah Great would you not move down no nah nah I don't want to make a fuss <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about this attendance because I'm a little bit wound up about this attendance and there's plenty of things to say about this so 50,141 spectators came through the turnstiles right so like I mean that's fantastic like I mean obviously it broke records and all the rest of it broke the 50,000 mark it's fantastic right but there's a few different things about this so like I mean this is not a regular crowd at a match and this is what kind of gets on my kind of nerves so as the people are saying it's the sixth highest attendance for a GE match this year you have Colm Keyes who's a respected journalist saying 50,141 at the ladies finals a big barrier broken that's just 4,000 less than at Dublin's All-Ireland semi-final win with Galway five weeks ago now I've no idea why Colm Keyes would try and compare what is a cosmetic crowd made up of children a lot of children with a crowd of paid in spectators because let's be honest this 50,141 is not a regular crowd there's loads of children who get in for free in fact ladies football clubs all over the country are levied it's compulsory to buy tickets for this for this game so what they do a fella from a club in Leash was telling me that the club ended up buying I think it could be six tickets they have to buy so what they end up doing is bringing two busloads of children and they use the tickets rather than go to waste this is a brilliant day out for the children and wait a minute like I mean I know that's a brilliant I'm not even criticising the compulsory purchase because isn't a fantastic promotion and it's a fantastic for the women's game to have 50,000 at it have young women inspired to say right that's a huge crowd at the men's we also have a huge crowd at the women's this is on an equal par so that's brilliant it's a brilliant day out for children there's no complaints I've no complaints but that's okay to fool children grown adults should not be fooled by this crowd and start saying oh it's 4,000 off the men's because grown adults know that this is just a cosmetic crowd because you're trying obviously the intentions are brilliant and you're trying to inspire children so there's no problem with it I've no problem at all it's a brilliant initiative by the LGFA to get as many in there and have this crowd and have people talking right that's the big crowd but let's not get fooled by saying this is a this is a crowd like it's yeah. not it's absolutely not and why would Colin Keyes a respected journalist tweet that and say just 4,000 less than Dublin's one like it's you're comparing apples with oranges yeah. like I mean half the crowd is children that's in for free brought by club members who are forced to pay <laughs> yeah I was sitting beside my old club from Derry back home so there was like about 50 children from a club in Derry who had no like, skin in the game they didn't have any team to watch but they were just there they were obviously brought down to watch it and you're right, like, you know, it's, it's still great that 51,000 get to watch this and, as you say, get inspired by it, but we know how it happened. It doesn't matter how it happened, the fact that 50,000 got to see it is great, but we still know how it happened. And Yeah, like it's I went like to Santa Claus. Adults know he doesn't exist, children get excited about it, so let's fool the children into thinking this is a 50,000 crowd, and for the right reasons, that the children will be inspired to play, and that's what we want. But adults know the real reason. So, what, like, but this is why I get confused yeah. by some adults. I think some adults are actually getting carried away thinking this is actually a genuine 50,000 yeah. people in watching this match. Like, I, I went to Monaghan Tyrone semi final, all in the semi final, and it was 90 quid for two of us. And yesterday, for two of us, it was 35 quid. So, that's another big factor in it as well. Like, the prices were much cheaper. I decided on the day I'll just go to this match now because, you know, it's fine. Like, it's between the two of us. It's very affordable. So, yeah. that's another massive element to it as well. Yeah, no, and Cork and Dublin, obviously Dublin bring an awful lot of children from the clubs. Someone tweeted me, 105 um, from a club in Belfast went down to it. <laughs> You're saying there's Leash, a fella from Leash saying they brought busloads of children. Derry had a big section in front yeah. of you um, with no skin in this game. No, so no. this is people, children from all over the country. Again, there's two sides of this. This is brilliant. brilliant. There's nothing wrong <laughs> yeah. with this. But stop annoying me by comparing that to men's, <laughs> but the sixth highest GA attendance yeah. of, the, of the year and the biggest in Europe. Like, let's not fool ourselves yeah. here. Like, I mean, I can't, and I can't entertain that kind of stuff. And the fact that there were three games so spread out didn't, like, you know, it was, gr- again, brilliant, 50,000 there. But by the time Dahi O'Shea was making his big announcement, there was probably about 30,000 left you know for the senior final people are coming and going throughout yeah. the day first yeah. game's 11.45 the second game is 4 o'clock you know 
they might have stayed for a or started third games four o'clock. Might have stayed for a bit of it, but he's reading this out then at four forty PM or whatever. Like what's that, five hours after the first yeah. game started, so And like yeah, like the big pantomime around the crowd as well, like Dottie O'Shea <laughs> announcing it and it's almost like this is part like okay, so there's first match, there's a second match, crowd announcement and then there's the scene <laughs> there's the main yeah. match. Like I mean big a big cheer comes for this crowd announcement. Yeah, there was a lot of fairness, there's a lot of families around me that kept talking about this and you can hear them afterwards as well saying, Oh, we got fifty thousand and you know, <laughs> that was obviously a big motivation for why they were going as well. They wanted to break a record. People liked doing that, but I think Dottie O'Shea finally found his audience as well they, they really loved they really loved his <laughs> pantomime in half time where it doesn't go down well normally I don't think no well he is that embar- embarrassing kind of panto <laughs> yeah. kind of fella just kind of has made a career of being a bit of a, a stooge you yeah. know that kind of way so the children would all absolutely love it but anyways on the match Dublin like as far as I was concerned Dublin played the better football Dublin had the better forwards Dublin won for that reason like I mean that's the reality of it I think Dublin maybe got over that psychological barrier with Cork Dublin play Cork again in the final you could beat see them beaten by 10 you know what yeah. I mean beating them but they're a, a much better footballing team than Cork on the evidence of yesterday yeah completely dominated I thought like we've been talking about Dublin's kickouts a lot but they got out so easily with their kickouts every time Cork won it they seemed to be inside their D and Dublin were just putting so much pressure on them so the forwards are much better but I think through the middle third as well they were just much cleaner to kick the ball a lot more like you know just they got the ball kicked the forward got the ball kicked the forward and it was just their attacks were so much quicker that was the difference because like, both teams were dropping uh, women behind the ball yeah that was just, I would say dropping men behind the ball dropping players, play, <laughs> dropping players behind the ball and like I mean Dublin transitioned really well using foot passes yeah whereas Cork just never kicked it they kept running they in the traffic it so easy for Dublin like, yeah. and then I saw in the Sunday game last night they showed some clips of Dublin turnovers but she could show them numerous examples yeah. like Cork just running into blind alleys they had no forwards willing to actually kick a ball from any distance at all yeah. it's almost like Arsenal they had to like walk the ball in onto the 14 yard line before they trusted themselves to kick a point yeah at the start I thought oh geez, they're really going for goal here all the time but then I realised this is just what they were doing they yeah. just kept running onto bodies I think Sinead Finnegan was full back and she probably couldn't believe her luck she just people kept running onto her and like there were three girls around in support and they just turned it over so much and Cork must have been exhausted playing that as well whereas yeah. Dublin turned it over kicked it and then they had Noel Healy and Carter O just bang going at people because they had loads of space you see Dublin moved it on so fast through the foot Cork couldn't get back in time yeah. so you saw Dublin with some nice forward play where you always say, you always saw Cork with a Dublin wall in front of them because yeah. they moved it through the hand it's the same as like I mean this modern game has taken over the women's <laughs> yeah. game as well where you're getting bodies back the difference with the women's game is there's no threat from a long range point so they can actually defend much deeper so Cork were kind of on the outside of that screen knowing they couldn't kick it from distance and trying to work it through an awful maze of Dublin yeah. players you know where Carl Lerone and Lindsay Davy and these ones were dropping back yeah. and like they have serious engines the two of them but we'll talk about them in performance of the weekend but that was kind of it you know so there was a lot of kind of sloppy hand passing where you're almost like well they kind of had to try and get it through by the hand because there's no kick yeah. pass on but you know I thought like as I saw you always going to your Twitter every Sunday night like I said just to, <laughs> to see what's going on see who's slagging you but I saw you complaining about the, the first half just not being as exciting or whatever but I thought it was one of the best performances I've seen from a women's team from Dublin like just the standard was so high they didn't have any real mistakes they all knew what they were doing they were very clever it was really good I did think they were a bit nervous at the start of the second half and I thought they were letting Cork back into it but then once he got that goal that was that was it then like, yeah it was like that, 10, was, that was it goal. and you can understand where there would be a little bit of nervousness from Dublin because obviously Cork beat them by a point in yeah. three finals 14, 15, 16 so like that's a huge kind of barrier they needed to get over so there's bound to be and in fairness Cork stuck in there well like I mean in the second half they had it back to a point and it was Carla Rowe's goal that really that was the end of it then there was no way back for Cork but like I mean Cork really did make a game of it the Cork goal was absolutely bizarre so did she mean it? Oh, I think she meant it. Yeah. No, there was too much space there. No, she, I definitely think she meant it. I definitely, th- and it was a beautiful goal. Well, I definitely think she meant finish. it. But like, I mean, who was it to threw it back out? Was it Caffrey or, Mag- or McGrath? I think it was McGrath, number seven, just got yeah. fouled on the ground and they just threw it back out to her. Yeah. It was weird. Well, I don't really know what was supposed to have happened there. So you think she definitely meant it though? We're, we're going to agree on that? You don't think she did? I was on the fence to be honest, but then when I, you're right, when I saw the space and the way she pulled it across goals, 
uh, I'm inclined to sort of believe her this time. Yeah. I'm not going to go with Daniel Flynn's point of crew park, but I might go with this one. <laughs> no, I think she did mean it because when she looked up, there was just too much space that side of the goal. I really do think so. Like, and she was the, probably the best of the of the Cork forwards. Um, O'Sullivan, she scored one too. But the the Dublin defenders, like, I mean, Cork scored eight goals against Westmead in the quarter final, <laughs> then got two against Donegal. Dublin didn't want to concede goals. Yeah. Dublin fouled Cork a lot. Like, I mean, Cork only got one three out of one twelve from play. They got they had uh, nine frees, eight, yeah, nine frees. Like, I mean, but Dublin just constantly fouling and. I don't really know why Dublin were fouling. Maybe it was the fact that they want they didn't want to concede goals and Cork had a reputation for it. Because if it wasn't that, they were indisciplined because Cork just did not look like they had yeah. the, the forwards to kick decent scores, you know? So they were being indisciplined and keeping Cork in the game. Or maybe that was a tactic and they just didn't want to concede goals. Well, maybe that's why Cork kept running into them because that, that was probably how they got their goals against Westmeath and Donegal. Like, maybe they just kept running. Kept running that, at them. Yeah, when Dublin were smart enough just to pull them down and stop it I, I did think the referee was good guy from Mayo Gary O'McMahon but it, maybe I think he was listening a bit too much to the Camogie backlash where every foul was a joke basically every time somebody put a hand on someone he gave a foul and there was a big backlash to that but I think he was almost too far the other side then where he was reluctant to give a foul for a lot of fouls so Dublin probably got away with more than yeah. they, they should have yeah okay we're going to talk a little bit more about that in part 3 when we do performance of the weekend so we have 4 or 5 nominations we'll talk a little bit more about individual performances do a big news in the hurling uh, Conan is Pat Gilroy has stepped down now this is a huge surprise to everybody really because Pat had done a brilliant job in his first year and he said in a statement it was a huge honour for me to be selected to manage Dublin senior hurling team and I was delighted that I was able to make a contribution during the past year unfortunately my work commitments involves a considerable amount of overseas travel and it will not be possible for me to continue in this role so I was trying to find out this morning is there any more to this story than just work um, commitments and there's not <laughs> so it is work commitments yeah. and we know Pat Gilroy is a very successful businessman so like I mean there's obviously something come up in his job which requires some overseas travel uh, work obviously yeah. trumps GEA <laughs> like in the real world let's does be honest it, real <laughs> does it really Pat does it really <laughs> Pat um, so that's it so Pat's gone did a brilliant job like I said Anthony Cunningham Matty Kenny are favourites I think Anthony Cunningham is probably a shoe in now considering he's been in there um, for that year like thinking that there might be a little bit more to this story like a lot of managers walk away well county board wouldn't give me the resources that I wanted and we know that's not a problem in Dublin yeah. right so like I mean there's, that's another reason I'd say Dublin managers in fairness we talked a lot about finances and stuff Dublin managers in a great position in that a lot of people want to work with them as volunteers because it's so glamorous and also mm. like I mean they, they can afford obviously to have really good professionals yeah. in with them as well so all in all nothing to see here Pat just had some stuff yeah. that he needs to do it's a shame it's a shame for him because he didn't take the Dublin Hurling job as a one year project you no, know so he no. would have had something long term in plan and like you know this year obviously it was a good stepping stone for him but it was going to take a bit of time and there is a bit of excitement around Dublin Hurling so it's a shame, like I think having that name and his experience attached to it as well was was interesting from the outside. Gilroy has the X factor, yeah. Like he has the X factor, and he gives that Dublin hurling team that confidence that Gilroy turned Dublin around. I don't think the job Gilroy did with the Dublin footballers should ever be underestimated, and I don't think it is. But he transformed them from start Learwigs in fairness in his first year into All Ireland champions, beating that brilliant Kerry team that was, was that still his a first year, two thousand eleven. Yeah, two thousand and nine was his first oh, year. Oh, sorry. Remember when they were hammered by by Kerry? Oh yeah, and, and they he called them start. Le- well, yeah. Pat called them start Learwigs. So in two thousand and ten, they were beaten by Cork in the semi. Cork won it eleven. Then they won it. So that's his three, f- and he did one more year after that. We yeah. were beaten by Mayo. But like I mean, this this fella changed the perception of. Don't take like a lot of time. Jim Gavin gets credit. He did nothing only take on what Gilroy had already done. Yeah. Like he'd already changed the perception of the Dublin team from you know maybe glamour boys to actually a hard working, solid, humble you know a team with no egos on it. That's all Pat Gilroy. Yeah. You know that's not Jim Gavin. But like I mean, to bring him to the hurlers, he's a huge loss to that hurler to those hurlers. When I saw it though, I, I thought this is the big chance. Colin Parkinson, Cheddar and Plunkett, <laughs> the dream team. Is, is it? Well, I'm, is very it an disa- option? I'm very disappointed. Paddy Power has not thrown me down. They've put me on every single <laughs> managerial vacancy so far. So let's, we, we might see myself and Cheddar pop up somewhere on I'm one of there. Cheddar would be a good man for it as well. <laughs> Some Dublin stats did the rounds uh, last Friday, Conan, and. 
they're pretty impressive. So they were putting Kieran Kilkenny, Brian Fenton and Jack McCaffrey up against each other. Three nominations for Player of the Year. And uh, Kieran Kilkenny kicked the ball 24 times. Never kicked one unsuccessfully. <laughs> which isn't exactly... Um, Surprising, He's very economical with, with possession. Brian Fenton kicked it 59 times and only four went, went astray. And Jack McCaffrey 29 times and only three went astray. So that's like, I mean, whatever about the hand passes ones, because there's hand passing stats as well. Kieran Kilkenny had 145 hand passes and only one went, went, went astray. Do you know what I mean? And do you know what? That, that was probably one against no, Galway. When he, went, when he was pointing, yeah. <laughs> we were waiting all season to jump on us. <laughs> right, so Fenton had 106 hand passes and three went astray and Jack McCaffrey had 82 hand passes and none went astray. Like, I mean, so whatever about the hand passes anyways, because really your hand passes should be going to hand. Yeah. And especially outside defensive screens, it's easier to get the one-two and, and make it look good. But the foot passes, like, because Dublin don't just foot pass 10 feet away. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're very impressive from all three all three players when you think of Brian Fenton kicking the ball it never seems to be a half-hearted kick or going across it always seems to be driving and then just driving the ball even further like yeah. he really penetrates defences with his kick passing and yeah. that stat is unbelievable was it three went astray only three or for four went astray for Fenton and I would I would suggest he kicked it 59 times he a kick in midfielder there's nothing about Brian Fenton that I don't love as a player yeah. like and that stat of 59 kick passes and their aggressive kick passes it's always moving forward because we Analyzed that before with Fenton. Yeah, that they're always forward passes. There's no sideways stuff with Fenton usually, and for only four to go astray, it's a serious, serious kind of testament to him. So not only is he the best running midfielder, he's the best defensive midfielder, and now he's the best kicking yeah. midfielder. It's yeah. ah, it's absolutely crazy. I'm so like, it is crazy. It's absolutely it's 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 freaky. That's what it is. Here's another good one. Who uh, won most of Cluxton's kickouts? I would guess Brian Howard. But I don't No sorry This is obviously Just between the three Player of the years Oh sorry sorry. Um, Nominations Jack McCaffrey Yeah Jack McCaffrey won most Kieran Kilkenny won none Really Which I find very unusual Because like He's such a hard runner And he's kind of Like break You'd imagine he'd be Breaking to wings But then when you think about it He never actually go. He doesn't go for kickouts It's very unusual He hasn't even won Bit more of an attacking position this year. Does that contribute? But still, though, because Cluxton will pick anyone out from anywhere. Kilkenny is a leader who never shirks responsibility. You would imagine that he's going to make out of frustration. Yeah. He'd be like, "Well, I want. I'm going to win this one, yeah. not one." And he won not that really good one last year. Remember in the final when they were under so much pressure against Mayo, and he won the ball over the top from. Cluxton. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Know, really took all the pressure off them. That was it. So Fenton won 13, um, and Jack McCaffrey won 17 of Cluxton's kickouts. Um, on opposition's kickouts, uh, Kilkenny won two, Fenton seven, and McCaffrey five. Interestingly enough, from so that's the opposition kickouts, obviously trying to ping it to the wing yeah. forward. And Jack, Jack's w- uh, very aggressive at getting at those as well. Uh, it's just like a brick wall. Like when you go down that side, the ball comes back up. It's pointless going down it, whatever way you want to go down. <laughs> if it's a kick, if it's a run, or if it's a kick out, it's coming back at you. So my advice to your whole teams is to stay away from the right hand side when Jack McCaffrey is there. Yeah, exactly. So a couple more here is that discipline has improved so average freeze conceded per game decreased from 17 per game in 2017 to 13 so that's a fair old average jump in 2018 Um, they have avoided picking up a black card the whole championship so not only is their average freeze conceded gone down they have picked up no black cards so there's no question of any of this kind of nonsense and I was reading an article of Joe Brawley's there a few weeks ago and it just kind of showed you remember the foul of uh, Cottle McShane pushing J- Johnny Cooper in the lead up to the second yeah. uh, goal so the three lads push him onto the ground then they're around him and they're kind of trash talking him again and Cooper doesn't even entertain them he just gets up and goes and takes the free really quick yeah. do you know what I mean and the, and the goal comes out of it the number of yellow cards received has dropped from 19 to just 9 in 2018 <laughs> Like if that's unreal though that's a serious like I don't know what the, the talk at the start of the year of improving their discipline because it's not something that ever would be said about them but there are three serious reductions in black yellow and fouls in in 2018 these stats are bloody depressing like why <laughs> reductions where they should be reduced and increases where they should be increased yeah. like it's oh, this is really worrying like for a neutral outside of Dublin and 
yeah the, like the fact that they're reducing the i'd say that's a big deal as well the fact that their discipline is better because every time i look at dublin i always think they win the foul count every time like they they don't turn the ball over they don't give away fouls and they win fouls yeah do you know like they, they don't let the ball be turned over and they turn the ball over yeah they always win that it's sort very, of element it's of very it. simple brawley had some stats in that same article about their shot efficiency and these aren't exact stats these are from memory the, in 2014 they were in the 20s this is shots at goal and yeah. they, by last year they got up to 75% and this year they maintained it at 72% so like I mean they've put some serious work into efficiency no fouling and these are all controlled controllables these are things that they can fix yeah. and like that percentage being maintained is even more impressive considering they had the three separate games as well you know so they had more games at a higher level against yeah. better teams it's easier to keep that percentage up against Wicklow's and what have you but uh, sorry just to cut you off Brian Fenton 19 shots at goal with a 73% um, conversion rate efficiency Kieran Kilkenny 43 shots at goals with a shot efficiency of 60.5 Jack McCaffrey seven shots at the goal with a shot efficiency of 28% Jack <laughs> get back and in the final he missed two in the first half yeah. his his final could have been three from play there easily one crappy one wide to the right another one into the goalie's hands that's just concentration the goalie's hands one was particularly bad especially because Tyrone had the momentum at that stage and they just needed that score and it would have stopped it earlier but then the fact that it dropped short it sort of gave Tyrone a bit more oxygen again it's the only thing he needs to work on like it's the only thing now he needs to improve in his game but it says a lot about him that he can have two bad shots in the first half and still absolutely dominate the game but I'd say that's all he'll be doing now over the off season like is shooting yeah. and once he gets that Jesus Christ yeah he'll be on top of it <laughs> another quick one just before we move on uh, to Pat Gilroy um, Kieran Kilkenny missed a free to draw the match against Longford in Parnell Park at under 21 level and did you read this on Friday and yeah. when after the match he cycled to his granny's in Port Leash <laughs> to get it out of his system is that a five hour cycle Jesus I don't know I've never cycled it <laughs> if I'm being honest I've never had to cycle home from Dublin well, why Port Leash you just needed to be somewhere really grim just to <laughs> <laughs> somebody actually sent uh, somebody tweeted me what was she in for <laughs> Isn't that terrible? All Port Leash is known for is two two huge two huge prisons. <laughs> All right, okay, we'll move on here. Good news for you, though. I know you're very disappointed about Pat Gilroy uh, leaving the hurlers. Uh, Dear McConnelly's back, so that's Great enough news. to cheer you up. So he was named on the bench, but didn't tug out. So he was there. Um, they hammered uh, Luke and Sarsfields four nineteen to twelve points. So he's back into the mix. Um, surprised he didn't come straight back into the team if I'm being honest because like I mean he's obviously flying fit playing football all summer Yeah, um, I would have gone away and I would be nowhere near as good as Dear McConnelly but I'd always come back into the Portlaoise team you know what I mean yeah. I think there's a hierarchy there where you just come you just have to come back into your own club yeah. team and like they're already through top of the group as well so it was the game to bring him back in as well like you know yeah. they would have been trying out a few different lads anyway Yeah, um, the trick there with the management is to immediately organise a challenge game when you come back put you on the bench for the challenge <laughs> game <laughs> and then serve this time <laughs> yeah yeah play just play Ali, play the intermediates in the club or the junior <laughs> team and start them yeah. The bench. Uh, the Kula bench, uh, 17, 18, and 19 this weekend was Con O'Callaghan, Mark Shooty, and your man Mulally. Really? All on the bench for Kula, and they hammered Moores as well. Like, so we did all right without them. Right, okay, yeah. Geez, some of the Kula are really an up and coming team. Yeah. Another player I want to talk about here before we finish up is Tony Brosnan. Now, Tony Brosnan might not mean an awful lot to you before this weekend. He meant nothing to me before <laughs> this weekend. He probably should have come on my radar, but he never did. Now, Tony Brosnan came on in the All-Ireland Club final against Slocknail. Now 58 minutes, game was over. Didn't do anything in it. He came on for the Kerry Seniors against Clare in the All-Ireland quarter final two years ago. Might not have known that. Still didn't come across my radar. Scored 1-10. So Gooch Cooper doesn't start for uh, Dr. Croaks. And Tony Brosnan comes on instead of him. He scores 1-14, 1-11 from play. Now they scored 3.28 in total which has to be put into some bit of context. I don't want to take away from Tony's brilliant play. But because this is kind of like a Lee Brennan this situation. Lee Brennan, yep. So I'm fascinated by these fellas in counties that are brilliant players but for, for whatever reason or other they're not on the county team and we all kind of have different fellas down through the years like this. So Tony Brosnan was a minor in 2013. By all accounts he's fond, he was been fond of the good life since then right so he's a big enough fella he'd be about uh, Bernard Brogan size I was finding out about him now this morning <laughs> uh, top top class player this fella is right top notch player um, brilliantly accurate he seriously cleaned up his act 
He's like in the gym doing a load load of strength and conditioning. He's unmarkable on his day. And this fella's now back in the mix. <laughs> Isn't that great? Like a movie review. Tony Brosnan. So yeah, so that's it. So like I mean, there's nobody there's not too many players in the county can live with this fella when he's on his day. Yeah, like, <laughs> but nobody scores. Like, no average Joe scores 110 from play. No, it was actually 111, I was told this morning. It was 111, 111 from play, yeah. No, no Joe Soap does that. Like, no matter who you're playing, like, you know, the, the Lee Brennan stuff, the reason we got raving about him was because he scored so many. Like, and only good players do that, no yeah. matter who you're playing. And Lee Brennan came into the throne team and he was class. Like, you know, he wasn't the best player in Ireland, but it showed that he should be in the Tyrone team yeah obviously Kerry is now a different kettle of fish but forwards but Jesus like you don't score 111 from play in a championship match when Colm Cooper isn't there yeah you know to set you up so he's obviously got a bit about him I'm, yeah. I'm sold on Tony he's I'm back again. I'm all over Tony Brosnan <laughs> just uh, GAR is going to follow Tony Brosnan's <laughs> career this year with a very very uh, close close um, interest there's no doubt about that so like I mean it's good that we'll be able to keep out, keep our eye out for him right that's enough and up next we'll talk to Sinead Finnegan <laughs> Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> All right, delighted to say Sinead Finnegan is on the line now after Dublin did two in a row um, yesterday in Croke Park. Two in a row, Sinead, that sounds good to you, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah, we're delighted Rob wasn't still. It's, it's great, um, kind of hard to believe, but yeah, absolutely thrilled. Um, delighted with our performance yesterday and um, enjoying the celebrations now. Yeah, where are you now? A little birdie told me you're outside the boar's head. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we all have assembled in the boar's head. So we're having a few pints with, with Hugh in here. So it's great crack. And um, one of the girls just arrived at the car. So hopefully there'll be a bit of a sing song soon. Oh, brilliant stuff! It's not Kevin McManaman doesn't go in and do that for the for the ladies team as well. No, no. We have a few very good singers on our team. So um, hopefully they'll give us a few tunes in a while. So come here. How were the celebrations last night? What was the how was the the banquet and everything? It was brilliant, yeah, it was so good. Um, everyone kind of had their, their family there and some of their friends and stuff. So that night is, well, if you win, if you lose, it's kind of a different story. But if you win, it's, you know, it's such a special night. Um, there was a good few of my family there. There was like 14 or 15 of us. And um, it's just a really nice way to kind of say thank you to them for being so supportive all year. You know, they've been there since the very start. So they've been there to the bad times and the good times but when you get to celebrate the good times with them it's, it's so good so yeah last night was brilliant and like I mean what is it more special having beaten Cork in the final after losing three finals to them by such a like a, by a point so like I mean <laughs> did it make it that much sweeter um, I think if you win a final it's, it's pretty sweet anyway no matter who you're playing so uh, I don't I don't think the Cork thing is, is, is has made it any better I think you know if you win an Ireland final if you get to experience that if you're lucky enough it's pretty sweet feeling anyway so um, no and that Cork side are, are quite a different team to the team that we would have played in the past maybe I would have said you know if we had got that team when we were playing them in 2014, 15, 16 yeah it would have been really sweet but a lot of those girls have kind of moved on since then so okay. um, it's just of a different team and same with ourselves our team is quite different as well so kind of a new year Right so it's not really the revenge you wanted but it's some it's some sort of revenge but it's not it's not against some of those girls that have retired <laughs> No, I don't think so. And we've like, as a team, like I personally have great respect for Cork. You know, I never would hold a grudge against them. I do really admire them for what they've done for the sport. And the girls even that have gone on, like, you know, some of them sent us messages to say congratulations and stuff. They are really, really lovely girls. So, um, no, there's not really any bitterness between ourselves and themselves. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear. What about the match, um, Sinead? Sure, like from watching it myself, it looked like you were mostly in control, a little bit dodgy in the second half when Cork got it back to a point. But then when Carla got that goal, a beautiful finish, uh, like for me, that was game over. I don't know how you felt on the field. I think, um, and this is maybe testament to what Mick has drilled into us, like it doesn't matter how much we're ever up in a game, you never feel like you've won. And I know even, you know, in the games coming into this, we've been up by quite a bit in some of the games, but it still never feels like that. And that's probably something that we've learned as a team. You know, we have got cotton in the past, particularly against Cork, as you said, in 2014, you know, we were up by 10 points and ended up losing. Like I 
remember my granddad was on holidays over in Spain and at halftime he bought the whole pub around because he thought that we had the, 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 the match in the bag. So that's something that we've learned. So I, we, like we literally, we have a bet into us not to give up until the final whistle. So um, I don't, I, I personally never felt anyway that it was it was won until the whistle went and then it was just, I suppose, pure relief. <laughs> Where yeah. did it go? Yeah, well, you you were shouting like a lunatic when you were 13 points up against Mayo last year with only four minutes left. So probably that wasn't the greatest question to give to you. So you were never going to be able to relax. No, no, no. Yeah, last year, Jesus, I was sitting on the sideline like a lunatic. But um, yeah, and we were up by 13 points. But I still was like, stop. Someone was sitting next to me. They were saying, start to celebrate. And I was like, stop celebrating. We haven't won. <laughs> but um, no, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was so good. But it must have been even it must have been even sweeter from you for you on a personal level after going off so early last year in the final. And I know it's a team game and everything, but to play the whole game and play well in contrast to last year, because I know it is like I said, it's a team effort. But still, you play for yourself. You know, a certain percentage as well. Yeah, no, I was delighted. I was kind of saying yesterday that that kind of felt like my first All Ireland because only. The only ones that I've played in, I've I've only ever had defeats, and that was 2014, 15, and 16 against Cork. So, and last year I only stayed on the pitch for like 18 minutes or something like that. So, um, to to get to play the whole game, yeah, was was great. And I was, to be honest, I was very very nervous coming into it, but um, happy enough with how it went. And I do think that the backs actually collectively played really. really well so we were we were happy with no, did. well one thing I did notice during the game was that Cork weren't exactly firing on all cylinders with points from play but you were keeping them in touch fouling now I was reading something else by saying Cork are a dangerous team for goals so was this tactical fouling or was this just Cork are good at running at you and you had no choice but to bring them down um, I don't know to be honest <laughs> I think we were just trying to stop them those forwards that they have um are all very experienced players and they all are a very big threat and, and as you said they are probably gold merchants like Emer Scali and Jiren and Kira will be will be known for getting goals. So um I think it was more a case of the management having their ma- their matchups done quite well and just I don't think there are other cynically taking fouls. I think they were just probably trying to trying to stop them more than anything else. Maybe yeah. being a bit too over eager over eager in the tackles. But um I think defensively the girls did, did very, very well. Um and kind of stop their key threats to be honest yeah no you definitely did and one pretty big difference for me looking at it was Cork hand passed the ball way too much and allowed you to get back into position whereas you moved the ball when you turned it over really fast through the foot and you're able to get a lot more space in your forward line in comparison to them yeah, I think like sometimes we can get a bit over eager as a team and, and like goals is something that we do work on a lot in training and maybe try and force goals when they're not on. But something that we were really happy with yesterday was actually our game management and, you know, slowing it down when we had to slow it down and just keep ticking the, tick, the, the scoreboard over. So, you know, not kind of forcing goals and just taking your points like, come on. And, and to be honest, that kind of, you know, that can kill a team if you just keep ticking them, up, ticking them over. So the girls did very well up front in, in that regard, I think, um, it's kind of our, I feel like our game management was much better than it was in the semi-final because in the semi-final we were quite ahead and then we kind of let Galway come back into it and that was something that we really wanted to focus on for the final was just you know managing the game a little bit better and keeping control when we were in control instead of giving it back Yeah, no, exactly Come here, I remember you telling me on Sports Show Live last year about Mick Bowen and um, how he works on the skills of the game and your kicking technique and lots of things like that and it just struck me watching it yesterday. Um, Carla Rose, two goals were with her left foot and she scored 1-1 in the final last year with her right foot. And it just made me think uh, watching it, Jesus, that, is that kind of a, a product of the work that's been going in or was she always two-footed like that? No, it's, it's definitely credit to the work that Mick has done. Um, I'd say all of us are, are comfortable kickers on both our feet now, something that we definitely weren't when he first came on board. And it's, like from the very first day that he came in it was something that he's worked on and you know what is it two years on and, and something that we're still doing in every single training session the girls the forwards like they do really work really hard on their kicking you know at the end of every training session they're out doing extra bits and before every training session they're doing extra bits so it is something like Carla is a super kicker she's, she's got known for her kicks so she's very very accurate so um, but she you know that doesn't doesn't happen without practice like she, she works really hard in it but um, yeah she had a great game yesterday so tough for her yeah no exactly so come here the guitar's on the way and so who's your Kevin McManaman then who's going to be doing the singing and um, there's two girls well Mick is fond of a song himself but he always kind of barrels out the same one where I was like oh come on give it a rest but um, <laughs> what is Katie it? Murray and uh, 
Dublin the rare all time. Oh, and yeah. Molly Malone, he's always singing them. But um, I know they're great. But um, Casey Murray and Laura McKinley, they're two like unbelievable singers. So um, I can't wait for them to get the guitar out. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, Sinead, thanks for making time of us, for us. And I'll let you back no into problem. your pints of Copperberg there. Yeah. Thanks a million. No bye. bother, Sinead. Good luck. Bye bye. Somebody said it's as ugly as Marty Morris here for both. We probably in fairness, he wouldn't know a penalty if it bit him in the arse. What is the point of this? They swear allegiance to the cult of Cairn. But I tell you what, you can forget about Sean Kavanagh as far as he's a man. Is managing Mead at some stage in for the rest of your life a pebble in your shoe that you want to get out? <laughs> no, I think I've got over that. <laughs> Have you? Uh, if I went to do that, sure, who'd keep Manus and Joe Brady on the Sunday game? And <laughs> you couldn't expose the nation to him on his own, could you? Paddy Power performance of the weekend, Conan, and we're going to give a pair of Paddy Power lucky shorts to one of the girls so whether they wear them or not is another story or give them to the boyfriends or whatever you can still would rather see their briefs ah you still wear them like the none of the players have tweeted them out yet wearing them so we're no, disappointed that's true. That. that's true listen in this day and age for what's men's clothes and what's <laughs> women's clothes at the end of the day so maybe they will wear them so first, neutral shorts <laughs> first off I want to start with Lauren McGee to Johnny McGee's daughter and she set the tone she's it's the class. workhorse a brilliant brilliant player um, set the tone really early from an early turnover um, against Cork in the very first minute chased, chased down to the end yeah. line turned it over loads of turnovers loads of works loads of Lincoln defence to attack yeah. has an en- unbelievable engine just a, the ultimate modern midfielder, midfielder yeah like she, when she wanted to go she's bulldozing her way through as well like oh, she was class that turnover you're talking about was so clean there was a couple of those in fairness but that was just it was so aggressive and so clean yeah and aggressive yeah she's strong like yeah. she's just on a different level of strength probably you know what I mean yeah. she's just do- a dominating midfielder direct like, like she, there a couple of times yeah even without the ball she's going in behind and people playing the ball over the top tier as well yeah exactly so Carla Rowe is the other one so Carla Rowe scored two goals with her left I think Carla Rowe is right footed she scored 1-1 in last year's final with her right foot beautiful finish for a goal against Mayo last year so this year she comes up and she scores two different types of left foot of goals technically so one of them she's whipping around the ball into the bottom right and then the second one she's just curling a nice off the inside of her boot yeah. to the far corner second like she makes it look easy because like I mean they're not always easy finishes like I mean you have to have a especially for a wing forward to get into a position where you're one on one with the goalkeeper and just not to panic and she's not blasting it she's just placing yeah. these into the net like I mean she's a lovely relaxed style and like again just no panic and beautiful finishes and like both of them as well also you said about position both of them required her selling a dummy to defend her and getting yeah. inside for a better position like so amazing composure I, I remember when she got the player of the match I thought oh, I don't think she was the outstanding player and I still don't I thought she was well marked but obviously you come up with two goals in the final and you win by five points it's going to be and that's the thing important. and it was the second goal won the match yeah so like, and like they you were s- under pressure at that stage like yeah. you said because she's okay I'm not sure if she's right or left footed because she seems to have perfect technique off mm. both but when she received that ball and it was an absolutely brilliant run by the corner back um, to set up look, brilliant leadership by I think it was Martha Byrne and uh, she ends up on the end of it so she's got a really strong right foot and it's thrown out to her like the easiest thing to do there is keep going and try yeah. to lash it in she took the step inside right immediately trusting her left foot and then looked up as the goalkeeper comes to her and just curls it into the far corner like I mean like because she made that look so easy it looked like an easy goal but yeah, that, that's from, true. Where, from where that was thrown out to her that was not any necessarily an easy chance because if she kept going the way she was going she could have been pushed out by a defender yeah. And, uh, you know, an old rush shot off, off her right foot and it could have blazed over the bar. And we've seen that kind of happen all the time. But that the way she did it, it was just simple, but not easy. Yeah, because I was thinking like, the equivalent of I was playing that position and rather, like, you know, the finishes are great, but I would have just taken the shot of my right me right foot too. in the same position I got it. I might have gone for a pint. Yeah, probably I blocked yeah. under, blasted it over or whatever. But just, like, I really appreciated that, that sort of composure and just sort of awareness of space to get inside to a better position which is something that I really lack and seeing somebody else doing that it was like Jesus that yeah. was brilliant she went for the juggler and it paid off because let's be honest there was no way back from Cork like I said um, earlier on uh, Sinead Ahern 
beautiful penalty beautiful technique love those penalties where you're shaping up to go bottom right and you whip it back around into the far corner yeah. goalkeeper didn't even die for it because <laughs> it was like there's no point it's like sober. I mean yeah. came straight back out she scored 1-3 from play she's the scoring threat on the Dublin team and she never seems to disappoint yeah oh, she was she was very good and she was the focal point like a lot of Dublin players dropped back and she was always there just trying to win ball and always there trying to score like it says a lot about uh, I think Dublin when I thought Carter Rowe was marshalled well for most of the game Noel Healy was marshalled really well I think it was Melissa Duggan picking her up from Cork yeah it's two of the best players in Ireland but then there's a lot of people like Sinead Heron and Lindsay Davey and all these people they come back in and dominate the game as well well that's it I'm glad you mentioned uh, Noel Healy there because Melissa Duggan was man- marking her and yeah. Noel Healy such an explosive fast kind of match winner game breaker she never gave her a kick of it no like I mean this was a brilliant performance now where did it because it's very hard to say on television did, Noel Healy was picked at centre forward yeah she actually played, played there? there yeah and Duggan just came out and just marked her just, just stayed with her the whole game like, um, and did really well now in fairness it was like when Noel Healy got the ball and she still did a lot when she started going a couple of Cork people just came over immediately to try and stop her like because obviously they were aware she got going yeah. they were in big trouble and in fairness she did get going I think for the second goal it started off of Lindsay Davey actually but it was Noel Healy then he came off the shoulder and popped it off to uh, Carla Rowe for her goal so she did get going once but that's going to happen with her but she didn't score the whole game which is unbelievable to see so it was just a really sort of classic marking job from Duggan yeah so fair play to her uh, Lindsay Davey we have to give her a mention she's a fellow Scaries woman yeah. there a club mate of yours and you were tweeting about uh, her performance <laughs> yesterday oh she's class I'm going to read a whole article about it now today <laughs> but um, no but honestly like I was like, comparing her to Brian to her because honestly she didn't stop she was the one who blocked the goal at the very end when Cork really needed to go for goal she took it in the stomach she's the one who won the penalty for the first goal set up the third goal you know handed it off to Carter Rowe she was just all over the pitch and there was a stage where you know like some of the kids around and some of the parents were sort of laughing because she just kept popping up everywhere and they were like give it to number 12 again because she just kept coming and she was very important for that link play that she was kicking it down the wing straight away and some Dublin player would win it she was just everywhere in the pitch and she was class yeah it's unusual that Nicole Owens and Noel Healy were both, both taken off like I mean I know it was late enough in the game but like I mean they're two of their big players I don't think Nicole Owens is a corner forward I don't think she's a natural there she's a kind of a, a free spirited wing forward yeah. I would have thought so having her in the corner I actually watched her yesterday and thought a lot about myself when I had to play in the corner. Oh, really? She's not that lethal kind of corner forward. I think she's maybe a bit too curtailed in there. and uh, like It's hard to know whether that's the best position for her. It's such a different position. Like You would understand that more than most. Yeah. Like when your back's to goal, it's a completely different game because you yeah. have to have a bit of skill and sharpness to win it with your back to goal and turn. Yeah. It's just so she much She was different. blocked down in the second half there. Like It was like, I mean, I was saying, just don't shoot. Like I mean, this is clearly going to be blocked, but she did it. And, you yeah. know, they corner forwards don't get blocked down like that yeah. do you know what I mean they don't they pride themselves in not getting blocked down like that just thought maybe she's not kind of a natural there but anyways who would you, who are you giving your This is it's irrelevant who you're giving yours to because I'm going to pick it well I'm obviously going to go with Lindsay Davey no but honestly I thought she was brilliant like in defensively and attacking wise like winning the penalty setting up the most important goal she was a big part in the second goal as well and then just that big block at the end I thought she had a lot of big moments and just all over the pitch it was just great to see like another sort of do her incarnation just running all around the pitch and having such a not just a donkey like you know but a proper playmaker as well like yeah. to her okay right well listen this is actually a really difficult decision because you could make an e- uh, easily yeah. make a Hearn, McGee, Rowe or Davy. any of those four you could make man of the match so it is really a difficult one um, I, I think I think I, I think I'm going to go with Carla Rowe because of the two goals at the end of the day in all and final which were the differences and especially that second goal like I mean yeah. there's not many players can do that and she was interviewed after the game came across really well was yeah. overcome with emotion and you know it just uh, it was just a really good inter- real natural kind of interview so Carla Rowe you're the first woman to win the Paddy Power uh, lucky short so well you may wear and we'll be back on Thursday I'll talk to you then good luck Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing asses for f-ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. 
For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.